the Java ecosystem is maturing. The Graal VM high-performance runtime provides a virtual machine for running applications in a variety of languages. Tornado VM extends the Graal compiler with a new backend for OpenCL. Tornado VM allows the offloading of JVM applications onto heterogeneous hardware. Juan Fumero works on Tornado VM. He joins the show to talk about the use case for Tornado VM, the design, and the engineering that underlies the system. We also talk about the overall Java ecosystem. We are looking for writers and podcasters for Software Engineering Daily. If you're interested, send an email to erica at softwareengineeringdaily.com. Juan, welcome to the show. Hi, Jeff. Pleased to meet you. Today we're talking about Tornado VM, which is a system for offloading JVM applications onto various pieces of hardware. Why is this useful? Why do we need to offload JVM applications to heterogeneous hardware? Right. So this is a good question. The motivation for running or for having something similar to Tornado VM or having Tornado VM is that many users nowadays need a power, computational power for many applications like big data applications, machine learning, deep learning, this kind of, this kind of applications. And uh, normally those applications could be assessed by using a GPU behind on FPGA. Normally for deep learning, for example, GPUs goes well, as, as well as uh, TensorFlow cores, something like this. But many of the users are not experts on uh, this type of hardware, because apart from knowing the primary model, you have to know architecture details, computer architecture details. So looking at the most common primary languages now, Java is one of those, right? What Java is widely used in academia and industry as well. And it's a good target to accelerate applications, uh, compute applications on Ethereum's hardware. And Tornado VM is closely related to the Graal JIT compiler. Explain what the Graal VM does. Yeah, so Graal VM is, is, is a big project, okay? Graal VM is a framework that you can... It's a framework for programming, for programming compilers. Okay, it's a, it's a, it provides an interface to deal with a compiler. It has internally has a JIT compiler, just in time compiler. That's the component we use in Tornado, but also has other components like Truffle, which is an API on Truffle on top of Graal that allows you to run interpreter languages or dynamic language on top of Graal. Right? And that there are also the components like native uh, images and so on. So the one we care about in Graal is the JIT compiler. It's a compiler framework, basically. And one of the things that is important for us is that Graal is easily extensible. And we extend Graal for generating OpenCL underneath. What is OpenCL? Yeah, OpenCL is a standard by Kronos Group, proposed by Apple at the time. It was 2011. And it's a standard for computing with graphics. So basically, you're going to use uh, accelerators, okay? And the standard provides you a set of utilities, a set of functions that are in the standard, in the document, as well as a language, which is the OpenCL kernel, uh, to accelerate applications following the OpenCL primary model. And why is that important? Before OpenCL was CUDA, actually, OpenCL is kind of the cousin of CUDA, if you like. And uh, before CUDA, what people were doing is try to accelerate applications using the graphics API, like OpenGL or DirectX uh, 3DX by Microsoft. So that was very, very hard. 
And instead of doing that, what these people come along, actually one of the main guys was Ian Book, was one of the creators of CUDA. Uh, in his thesis, in, P- in his PhD thesis, he proposed a Brook language, which is a way of, it's a programming language that allows you to use the computer graphics, not only for rendering, but for compute. Interesting. Okay, so let's give a little bit of backstory for Tornado VM. How did it come to be? Yeah, so Tornado VM actually started as a project in the UK. It's still uh, an academic project uh, to demonstrate, uh, try to demonstrate how to accelerate applications uh, using Java. So one of the main goals was to accelerate uh, application for uh, computer graphics and computer vision. It's called a key fusion. Basically, you have a Kinect Microsoft camera, and you have a bunch, a lot of Java uh, code around. This application contains around seven thousand lines of Java code, and various groups that were working together. One group was working on uh, how to accelerate those applications using C, C++, OpenMP, another group with CUDA, and Manchester took the jobs to, to do it in Java. And to do so, they built inside, they built Tornado. And that's what Tornado actually come from. So can you tell me more about what kind of use case, like a high-level use case would be appropriate for Tornado VM? Yeah, so actually, Tornado can be used like... Any other application you use for GPUs, it can be suitable for Tornado as well. So that means that uh, matrix multiplication, deep learning, machine learning, which is those applications you use intensively, matrix multiplication, but also computer graphics, computer vision, also cases for fine tech, cases for, you know, um, healthcare systems, uh, natural natural language processing, artificial intelligence. Those are the cases that are well suited for uh, Tornado. But... That's one aspect, which is I use Tornado to program GPUs, but Tornado can be used also to program FPGAs, which is another technology, another type of hardware. And FPGAs are very good at at exploiting pipeline parallelism. Instead of data parallelism, pipeline parallelism. So other type of applications like digital signal processing are very good to to exploit on those hardware. And Tornado can target also those. So multi-core CPUs, GPUs, field programmable gateway, gateways, FPGAs. Could you just tell me about like what kinds of applications need to get deployed to these kinds of devices? Yeah, we're talking about some examples, machine learning, deep learning, this kind of uh, applications, as well as data intensive applications. For example, physics simulation. Uh, we have a use case for embodied computation. Basically, you have a set of stars in a galaxy or planets you want to, given the, the, the position and velocity of each planet, the star, you want to simulate the next step. And that's very computational intensive. And you have a huge amount of data. And that's a very good case. Or those are very good cases for GPUs. So you've talked a little bit about CUDA and OpenCL as heterogeneous programming languages. What is a heterogeneous programming language? Yeah, so traditionally we use CPUs, so central processing units. And that has been the way until 2005, six kind of. And later on, because GPUs came along as a compute unit as well, not only for rendering, but for compute, uh, GPUs are different architecturally than CPUs. So you don't have a, a, an homogeneous system, you have an heterogeneous system. So actually the GPUs contains its own memory, instructions, and so on. How they execute instructions are different, how they are programmed totally different, and the same with FPGAs, basically. 
so CUDA and OpenCL, they're not actually languages that people program in. People write higher level things on top of them. Right. So many engineers actually use CUDA and OpenCL. I would say CUDA more than OpenCL. But you require an expert programmer here. Because apart from the programming model, which can be learned, obviously, to make good use and to make the most of performance, you have to know architectural details. For example, I can give you a quick example. So um, in, on GPUs, you can copy data to L1 cache if you want. That's not possible on CPUs. But as is the responsibility of the programmer to copy data there. But L1 cache is not coherent. So the programmer has to add a barrier. And you can imagine all this complexity coming along. When you have one thread, two threads, yeah, you can figure it out. But those GPUs normally run, normally run thousands of threads in, in parallel, right? And uh, this has an extra level of complexity. So you have to understand the model and you have to understand the architecture. Even more, uh, people programming in CUDA normally, they optimize for one GPU, for one vendor. Even if the same vendor, you change the GPU, most likely you have to tune again your application. Okay, so we want to avoid that with Tornado, basically. And the same applies with OpenCL. So OpenCL, as I say, is like a cousin of CUDA. It's very similar to the primary model. The language is a bit different. The function calls are different, but how you program is very similar. And again, you have to know architectural details like, like this, for example, or how to deploy threads, uh, things like that. Tell me more about what gets built on top of a language like CUDA? In which sense? Well, so what kinds of applications are written on top of CUDA or OpenCL? Right, so we're talking about the same type of applications as Tornado targets, as I said at the beginning. Now it's mostly used for deep learning and artificial intelligence, but you can program pretty much any computing, any data-intensive application as soon as you comply with the restriction that CUDA has and OpenCL has as well. So we are talking about, as I say, artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning, uh, chemistry, physics simulation, fine tech, these kind of applications. So why would I do this in the Java environment? Like the, I frequently hear about uh, you know, TensorFlow and PyTorch as being the primary programming models for doing deep learning. What would I want to do in the Java environment? Yeah, so... Because of this complexity of programming those hardware, GPUs and FPGAs, and you can think about another type of hardware coming in the future. Most likely, we want to have more type of specialized hardware in the future. Uh, we, are tend we are tending to specialize all these type of pipelines in hardware. And having an application and then trying to rewrite the application with another programming model, another programming model, and try to make it work, it, it takes time. So instead of doing that, we want to abstract all of this and make a layer up, right? We go up and write just what the Java does, just write once, run everywhere. So we want to comply with, we want to have the same philosophy, basically. Uh, the idea is that you just write your application in Java. You are in the Java world. You should not, you should not think too much about the actual hardware it's going to run. This is a runtime underneath that is going to take care of how to compile that for the actual hardware, for the proper hardware, uh, for the actual GPU and FPGA, and how to manage data, how to deploy threads, how to deal with L1 cache, and so on and so forth. So if I wanted to use Tornado VM today, what would I have to do? Right. So right now, 
what you need is the actual the driver, the OpenCL driver. So Tornado generates OpenCL for you. So if you want, I can talk a bit about Tornado just to uh, get what you need. Sure, pl please do. So Tornado, the input for Tornado is the bytecode, the Java bytecode, and the output is the OpenCL code. And then we need an OpenCL driver underneath. So what you need is an OpenCL driver. If you are running, if you have an NVIDIA GPU, you can have like the, the, the driver for NVIDIA plus the CUDA runtime. If you have OpenCL device, um, uh, either you have the NVIDIA, which is the same tools that you need, or you have an AMD device, you will need the driver plus the AMD SDK for OpenCL. And with, for Intel, what you will need something similar is the Intel runtime for CPU or the Intel driver for the integrated GPU. Apart from that, you only need Java, that's all. Let's talk about the, the stack in a little more detail. So Tornado VM at the top level, I'm defining tasks, I'm doing annotations, I'm running the tasks on task schedulers. Give me a description of what's happening beneath the API. Yes. So let, let's talk about the tasks, actually. So the programmer writes tasks, and you can group many tasks together in what, what we call a task schedule. Each task is basically a Java method you want to accelerate. Uh, what's happening underneath is that the user writes those tasks, those task schedules. We compile with Java C. There is no modification in the language. It's just a library. And then when we run the application, we get the, the task schedules, the group of tasks. And then we start in the Tornado VM side. We start building the, uh, the OpenCL programs. To do so, the first thing that we do is to build a data flow graph. Basically, we analyze how data is flowing across tasks. If you have one, you know, a few arrays coming in, a few arrays coming out, how many arrays can be reused in the middle, we build a graph to figure out these things. Once we have this uh, graph built, what we do is to optimize it. So we say, ah, this variable or this buffer can be reused, don't copy twice, because GPUs and, F and CPUs have different memory spaces. So basically that means that the user should allocate memory at the beginning on the device, then perform a data transfer, and then run the kernel. Tornado does that for you automatically. And the goal is not to copy the more arrays or more variables than you need. So that's the goal of the data flow analyzer. After the data flow is optimized, uh, what we do is generate internal bytecodes. That's more engineering side. Basically those bytecodes are is for us as a runtime, as a compiler engineers to, to make it modular, let's say and easy to, to write. Basically, each bytecode is an operation in the, between a CPU and a GPU. For example, we have one code that copy the data, copy in from CPU to the device, for example, from the CPU to the GPU. We have another bytecode to say launch a kernel, which, which is launch a task, which is translated to launch a method. And the first time we launch a method, we compile from Java bytecode to OpenCL. Once we have the compilation done, we manage execution, we manage memory, we allocate the right buffers, the right space, and then we run the application for you. That's the overall uh, process. The Tornado VM bytecode, is that the same as Java bytecode? No, no, no. So Tornado VM bytecodes are very, uh, they're totally different. Tornado VM bytecode is just a subset of the operations we want to execute. As I say, for example, copy in, uh, one buffer from CPU to GPU, 
add a barrier, to wait for the results, launch one kernel. Those are the tornado bytecodes. Actually, we have a set of maybe 10, 11 bytecodes. Okay. And how does the tornado VM bytecode get translated into JVM bytecode? Right. So the whole runtime is implemented in Java. So for the Java VM, the Tornado runtime is another Java application. The only thing that the Java application, Tornado, in this case, has the ability to also compile methods. That's the only thing. But the, the, the bytecodes that, that Tornado generates, they're never going to be executed on the device. They only run, run on the host, which means on the CPU. So if you are running with OpenJDK, for example, with C1 and C2, if you run multiple times, the actual runtime, Tornado runtime, is going to get compiled with C2. If we run with Graal, the actual runtime is going to get compiled with Graal. Okay, well, let's use your canonical example, which is matrix multiplication. So I program a matrix multiplication using the Tornado VM. What happens when I execute that matrix multiplication? Yeah, so going back to all the, the steps I, 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 I provide before, uh, which can be a bit confusing. So... The user writes a multiplication and then creates a task schedule. And then there is a method in the API, in the Tron API that says execute. So once you call execute, we build this data flow graph I talk about. Matrix multiplication has two inputs, matrix A, matrix B, and one output, matrix C. So with the data flow optimizer, we'll say, ah, you have two inputs, one, in, one output. That's all. Then we generate bytecodes for that. Tornado bytecodes. And we say, mm, there are two variables to copy. So let's copy first one, copy in for the first, copy in for the second. Then we launch the kernel, which is the matrix multiplication. And then we copy back the result. So copy out C variable. And that's what the Tornado VM executes. So once the first time we execute the bytecode launch, we call Graal to compile from Java bytecode to OpenCL. So we take the methods that represent matrix multiplication, the, all the bytecode that represent the matrix multiplication, we call Graal, the Graal compiler, and then we optimize that code to generate OpenCL for you. Can you give a more complex example? Yeah, so one more complex example could be MapReduce, that you have multiple tasks. So we have uh, one task to do a map operator. Map means that you have a bunch of, you know, uh, an array of, uh, as an input, and you apply a function for, for each element of the input data set. And your output is exactly the same size, but the, the function applies for each element. And then you have a reduction, which means that the previous operation that has an array that reduces all elements into a single one, for example, a sum, okay? So in this case, we build a data flow, and let's say you have two variables, A and B, then you have some intermediate value, uh, which is, let's call it C. And then you have an output, but the output is color value. So let's call it D. Uh, so the data flow will build this uh, data flow graph. We say, ah, copy A and B because that's your input data. And then D will say, ah, let's keep it on the GPU. You don't need this variable on the host again, on the CPU again. So you can leave it there. So you don't have to transfer back that result. And the Tornado VM will say, transfer data, copy in A or B. Then you have to allocate a space for C, obviously, the intermediate value. 
we allocate the data, we don't copy anything, we give it there, we launch the kernel, the first one, and then we launch immediately, we launch the second kernel, taking the results from the previous operation. And then we only transfer back a single element at the end. Yeah, that's, that's a data flow a bit more complicated. And then from that, I mean, there is no limit of the task, the amount of tasks you want to, you can, you can program, you can have 100 tasks you want to. The actual limit will be the, the code we can fit on the device, basically, because underneath we generate OpenCL. Okay, can we take a step back here for people who have gotten lost at this point? What are we actually talking about? What is Tornado VM? What value does it add? Yeah, so Tornado VM is an easy way to accelerate your applications without worrying about hardware details. And the user, at the end of the day, you, you don't have to worry about these bytecodes, nothing like that. So this is just how it works internally. So the value that we add is that the input application is something easy to understand. You do write serial code. So if you program in CUDA and OpenCL, you have to write parallel code. You have to think in parallel. Meanwhile, in Tornado, you write serial code. Each task is a serial code. Then Tornado will parallelize it for you, basically. So the, the user only, thinks, only needs to, to think, what do I want, not how do I want to be performed. Tornado will manage how do you want, basically, uh, to get maximum performance. And that's the main value we add. Another thing is that Tornado can dynamically change the device. So because now we have a plethora of multiple devices, we have one CPU, one GPU, or multiple GPUs, perhaps an FPGA. So now where to run the code? Uh, now it becomes a mess, right? Because I want to maximize performance. But Tornado has a mode that can figure out which one is the best to achieve good performance, better performance. And how much better performance are we talking about? This depends on, on the device you run, but typically we're talking about one, two, or three orders of magnitude faster than Java VM compiled with C2 or Graal VM. For example, DFT application is a, kind of, uh, it's a typical application for digital signal processing. It's a very simple program. It's just two nested loops and a bunch of calculations doing square roots and things like that. And you can get easily 1,000, 1,000, 2,000x compared to Java C2 compiler or GraalVM. Most of the performance becomes because of the power of the GPU, right? Of the device in this case. We also, because we use Graal and we compile with Graal, we can optimize things further that you don't see statically, like unroll the loop and then evaluate constants and so on. So we can get also a bit faster in that sense. But normally the, the speed up comes from the device. So just to sum up of your question. So on GPUs, we get around two to three orders of magnitude. On FPGA, it's, it's, it's harder to get performance from OpenCL, but in some cases, we're talking about one to two orders of magnitude in the best case scenario. You mentioned that this is a good fit for pretty much any data-intensive application. So let's say I've already got a data-intensive application written. Is there a way to port it to the Tornado VM? Yeah, so we're actually working with some of the partners we have in the project to do this. They have already existing applications and they want to port it to Tornado VM. We have some, as soon as you comply with the Tornado VM restrictions, we don't support the whole Java, okay? We have to support a subset. It's possible to run it with Tornado VM, yes. But it, it really depends on the input application. 
So the output of Tornado VM, is it a, a Java program or is it a C program? What is the lowest level execution situation? The output of Tornado VM is an OpenCL C program, source code, which means that we will need another compiler to compile to the final binary. But because we execute OpenCL with OpenCL primary model, that's part of the actual driver in OpenCL. So we pass the kernel we generate to the driver and then we'll do the final compilation. So that's for the branch or for the code we have now in public. But now we're working on another, uh, uh, it's an extension actually. So instead of going to OpenCL, we go to PTX. Okay, it's the, the machine code, assembly code, kind of, it's an abstract code for NVIDIA devices. Okay, parallel execution thread is called. And in this case, we also need the final driver, uh, the final JIT compiler in the driver, but it's lower level. So PTX is like close to assembly, assembly code instead of C code. Yeah. Tell me more about the task scheduling gener- layer of Tornado VM. Yeah, so the task schedules are a light API we provide to identify the parallelism. So one of the things we do is to exploit parallelism. We don't detect parallelization. Uh, that's a hard problem. So we need a way to identify which methods the, the developer wants to accelerate. We do that via the task schedules. And the task schedule, in my opinion, is a very simple API. You say, compose a task and you pass a pointer or a reference to the method you want to execute. Okay, you just define the class dot and the method and you get that reference. And then you pass the input output parameters for that method. And then you can concatenate, you can compose as many tasks as you want, task.task.task.task in one task schedule. Then the benefit of having multiple tasks in one task schedule is that all the tasks are going to be compiled in a single compilation unit. You can have multiple task schedules and each task schedule execute one task. In that case, we are going to generate one code, you know, one big OpenCL code per task schedule. Or you can combine all of them in one, basically. You have flexibility for doing that, yeah. So Tornado VM can be used to execute languages other than Java. Can you explain why that's useful? Yeah, so actually I start this as part of my PhD back in 2013. We actually could, it's not in Tornado, but potentially could be. We execute R code directly. The benefit is that some of these languages have the potential of naturally accelerate functions. R, for example, the basic type is a vector. And there are many, many operations with vector types. And that's a good fit, a very good fit for accelerating with GPUs. So instead of calling a native library, you just call your functions as you normally do. And then underneath will be a compiler that can run on a very fast hardware, like a GPU. So we do the same in Tornado through the Truffle framework. Yeah. The Truffle framework, what is that? Yeah, so Truffle is a, is a compiler framework that is on, on top of Graal VM, basically, on, of, of the Graal compiler. So basically, it's a framework that allows you to write AST interpreters, abstract syntax tree interpreters. And Graal knows the structure, uh, the, the structure of the Truffle ASTs and is able to efficiently compile Truffle ASTs into machine code. So basically, if you want to use Graal compiler from another language and efficiently, if you want to implement your own language, you might use Truffle AST framework. 
they have been implemented in many languages. I think R, Python, Ruby, JavaScript, Node.js, Scala, I believe, LLVM. I think they have a port for LLVM as well. Can you tell me some of the industrial use cases for Tornado VM? Yeah, so Tornado VM is part of the European project. It's called Ito Data, and there are many partners there. Uh, some of them are from industry. So we have a, a very nice use case from healthcare. It's a company in London called Exus. What they do is to... Well, let me give you a bit of background about the problem, because it's, it's a nice problem. So... In UK, we have the NHS, basically the healthcare system. And there's a problem when a patient goes to a hospital and apparently there is a probability that the same patient is going to be readmitted later on for some for whatever reason, for conditions, health conditions, age, whatever. So th- what the, this company is doing is try to predict if a patient is going to be readmitted, yes or no, in a short period of time in the same hospital. Because the NHS system can reschedule resources accordingly. Okay, Imagine now with the coronavirus, uh, well, uh, that's another situation. But up from you can make decisions, let's put more resources, more doctors in that hospital because that hospital is going to receive more, more patients shortly. So what they did is to... Apply machine learning that they do, I think underneath they're doing something like log- logistic regression. It's an application fully written in Java and they are, they are accelerating the training phase of this application. So, so far what they have got is they have accelerated the sequential application written in Java, the training phase from 2,500 seconds to 180 seconds. So that gives you a speed up of 14, 14x, 15x by running on GPUs automatically. That's pretty impressive. And can you tell me more about the tool chain for Tornado VM? Yeah, so the tool chain is, you can use just your favorite editor, if you like, uh, Intel IJ, you know, the means, Eclipse. And you can use exactly the same tools as Java has, same debuggers, etc. Because at the end, Java, a Tornado application is just a Java application. It's also integrated with Graal compilers, so if you know Graal and you want to go deep, you can even see the compile graph, you can interact with the compile graph and so on. So it's fully integrated in that environment. So the user writes the application using these editors or terminal and compiles with normal Java C. And then uh, to run it, you just run Tornado. But actually, Tornado is because <laughs> you need to type a lot of parameters to run Tornado. It's just a Java program with a lot of flags to enable Tornado, but this is still a Java program. So it's a normal workflow as another Java program. The only thing we tell, use this OpenCL library, this is locating this path, enable Tornado with these options, and that's all. Are you the lead programmer of Tornado VM? Yes, I'm currently the lead developer of the project, yes. What has been the process for developing and maintaining it? Can you tell me something about the engineering process? Yeah, so I was hired because I mentioned a bit earlier, I did my PhD in similar topic. I also took Graal uh, to accelerate Java programs on GPUs only. And then I took a step further to accelerate R programs automatically. So no need for external libraries. And at the end, of, when I was finishing my PhD, I heard about this project. And then I contact with my current bosses now, Christos Kotelidis. 
And they told me that they're opening a position because they have an European project to work in something very similar, a bit broader, because Tornado is being integrated into one of the frameworks called Apache Flink. But the idea was something similar. I would, that excited me because it's an opportunity to apply what I learned from my PhD into Tornado. Since then, what we do is, what we did at the beginning was try to get the tool up to speed, more test cases, unit testing, uh, more integration with Scrawl, more compiler phases, etc., more maturity, better documentation. That has been the process. And then because Tornado is an academic project, right now we have to, it's a balance, right? Uh, we have to find the time to find new ideas for papers, academic papers, and so on. And another half of the time to integrate those papers into Tornado VM to mature the tools to mature the workflow, to mature the, the projects that the students do uh, inside of the VM. So it's a bit, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's exciting to to have to see both sizes actually. Can you tell me more about the Graal VM ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, you mean how we do you use it with, with Tornado or in general? What are some other use cases for Graal VM? We did a show about, about it for a, wh- a while ago, and I think we also did a show on Quarkus. I'm just curious about 2020 state of Java applications. Right. So GraalVM, the usage right now, I think the best use is to run high-level programming languages on top of Graal, like the Truffle languages, basically, R, Ruby, Scala, especially Scala, uh, because all this technology, you get a lot of speed up uh, for the applications. Also, it's like inside the employee, as you mentioned, the Quarkus project for native images uh, is something that uh, is well received in the community, and uh, I don't really know the projects uh, honestly uh, directly using Graal, apart from us as well. And, and there is a small group I think in 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 Boston for small talk. So another implementation, another truffle language as well. Yeah. So when I execute a task scheduler, the steps are optimizations are applied then there's JIT compilation, and then there's execution, and then the Java heap gets updated with the results over time as the parallel OpenCL threads execute. Am I understanding that workflow correctly? Like basically the execution actually takes place across these multiple threads in OpenCL, and then the results of that are being rendered in a Java heap? Yes, correct, yes, yes. So the user writes a single thread application. And then when we launch the kernel, we pass from single thread into multiple thread application. Actually, we launch, depending on the input size, but quite likely a thousand threads for the same application. But those threads run on the device, okay? Then we sync with the, the, the variable again, the, the, the results again, from the GPU, the device heap, into the Java heap again, that's correct. And, and then from that point, again, it's single thread. As you've open sourced Tornado VM and gotten input from other people in industry, what kinds of changes have you made to it? Yeah, I like the question. So since we open, one of the reasons to open is to get feedback. And we have been receiving quite a bit of feedback. I remember last year I gave a talk at JVMLS and I received a feedback like, why don't we generate PTX? Well, the main reason for OpenCL was because with the same, because it's a standard, we can target multiple devices, but 
we could do that. And then we did it. So it's in the progress. As I said before, we are developing the PTX backend. That was one of the things that we heard from, from, from the community. Another things we are hearing from the community is to improve the programming model, how to improve, uh, to get more code inside Tornado. So we have with us in the European project, uh, Gary Frost. Gary Frost is the creator of AppArapi. Basically, it's a, a similar tool to Tornado. You compile Java applications down to OpenCL and then you run. And uh, he was giving, he's giving us quite a bit of feedback, feedback about how to get more code for Tornado VM. And we are integrating those comments right now. So actually we are seeing each, each, every week we are um, updating uh, Tornado. We are not releasing an official, you know, with number uh, Tornado 7, 8 or something. But every week we, we, put, we push changes and most of the changes come from the feedback right now. You mentioned in an article that Microsoft is using Tornado VM. Can you explain that use case? No, no. I, what I meant is the Microsoft Kinect. It's a use case that we have, but I don't think Microsoft is using Tornado VM. I'm not aware of that, at least. Oh, I see. Okay, so you have somebody using a Kinect, which is a, a kind of a, a device that follows you, tracks you, and as you move in real in space in real time, and you can have simultaneously localization and mapping, which is just so it's like scanning what you, your movement and your body movement and and accelerating the frames per second that it's uh, it's watching you. So the, the that's the use case that, that Tornado VM has been applied to. Why does that make sense? Explain why that's a good use case of Tornado VM. Yeah, because in this case is an application specifically designed for computer vision, and internally we have a lot of matrix operations and stuff. So matrix. That's why. Uh, matrix operations and deep learning, we use matrix multiplication and stuff, are very good fit for GPUs in this case. Because GPUs were designed for rendering and you have a bunch of X, Y, Z color, X, Y, Z pixel in this position, and you apply texture and you apply geometry to those pixels, basically. And those operations are quite heavily vector uh, operations and matrix operations. And the GPUs not normally do these operations in floating point. And they don't not only run one thread or, or 10 threads, they run thousands of threads to do this. So for these reasons, GPUs are a good fit of this type of applications for rendering, computer graphic, computational photography, this kind of stuff. Where do you expect to take the project next? Well, we're moving... <laughs> By October, November this year, we want to release a PTX, and that will be our next target. We already released a prototype for running on ARM processors. We are moving also towards cloud, so we can run out-of-the-box Tornado on Amazon cloud, uh, on GPUs and FPGAs, Silex FPGAs in this case. And uh, we are moving, hopefully by mid-next year, we'll have concrete results about this, is, uh, I mentioned briefly before, we're integrating Tornado into Apache Flink. So Apache Flink is a MapReduce framework for batch processing and stream processing, mainly focused on stream processing. So you imagine that you have this framework running, this application running for you know, hundreds or thousands of nodes in a cluster. So each application is compute intensive, what you have in the final node. So if the node or the server that you, is going to run your computation contains GPUs and FPGAs, the idea is to switch and offload the computation over there. 
So we're moving towards having an application is pure Flink. There is no modification in the language. There is no modification in the API, nothing. You just run plain Flink, vanilla Flink, and automatically gets accelerated on those nodes by plugging in Tornado. So we are working on this project right now. It will be the next step for us. Tell me a little bit about your background. How did you end up working on this? Yeah, so I briefly mentioned I did my master uh, at the University of La Laguna in Spain. I did it in a project. It was by coincidence, actually. I was working my first job in a lab in supercomputer, basically, just system administration. But my boss at the time, I was studying the master. My main while I was working. And I wanted to do the final project on operating systems. But my boss at that job told me, I need people, I need person, I need developers to do this compiler. I said, hmm, well, I'm looking for a master project. It could be good. But I did actually, in my mind, I was, okay, I'm going to try. I, my, my, my mind is in the operating system, not in the compiler. But I like it. And the project was to support OpenACC uh, directives. We implement a compiler for OpenACC, basically. And, and I like it. And we just, I, at that time, I started playing with GPUs, with CUDA, with OpenCL. And I, the more I play, the more I like it. So then I moved to a PhD in this topic. And I'm doing this with Graal and Java. And that's what is connected now with what I'm doing in Tornado VM. Any broader predictions for how the Java ecosystem is going to develop in the coming years? Yeah, most likely I'm not the, the, the right person to ask this. Most likely someone in Oracle, Red Hat. Uh, but I'm going to give you my vision where I would like to, to be instead. So the philosophy of run, right ones run everywhere, we are not there yet. Because we have many devices we cannot run automatically. And that's why we push this idea of having heterogeneity inside the VM, inside the Java VM. What I see now is that for every new hard application, we tend to, I mean, we as a community, uh, researchers, industry, tend to implement now a specific hardware for one particular device. For example, there is a company um, in California, Silicon Valley, implementing this huge chip. I mean, huge literally, because it's a whole die area to apply for machine learning, basically. And Microsoft, in combination with a company, is implementing its own chip for uh, machine learning and natural language processing. We see similar things for TensorFlow, and Google implemented Tensor Cores, the, mainly around machine learning, but could be any other application in mind, okay? Machine learning, because it's a hot topic. What I mean by this is that it seems like for every new hard problem, we tend to build new hardware. With new hardware core comes new programming models and new tools. And we have a lot of different tools disconnected each other, a lot of different programming models, and we should do sometimes our other way around. So let's converge it. Let's, let's try to make a unified model to, to run everywhere. And that's our approach now. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about Tornado VM. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. A pleasure.